Welcome back to season two of Flop Stars. In case you're new here, Flop Stars is the podcast where we look at projects by our favorite pop stars that underperformed on the charts but found a home with a cult group of fans. I'm Sam Murphy, the editor of The Interns, and I'm joined once again by Project U's Nick Kelly to delve into misunderstood projects. This week, it's Pink's fourth record, I'm Not Dead, in the spotlight. The record sparked a career revival for Pink as she grew into the artist we know today. It was slow to start though, with the album growing in popularity over time, and it was also disproportionately successful in Australia in comparison to the rest of the world. For this podcast, we're exploring Australia's love affair with Pink and why I'm Not Dead wasn't initially successful in the rest of the world. Hi Nick, guess what? What, Sam? I'm Not Dead. Oh, I get it, because they're doing the Pink album, I'm Not Dead, today. That's nice. That's very funny. That was really good gear. Glad we did that. How are you? I've rehearsed it all day. Could you tell? Yeah, I could. It was, it was beautiful, beautiful use of poetic license that I'd heard from you just then. But I'm ex- It wasn't much of a surprise to you though, because we've been messaging, so <laughs> yeah. you probably already suspected. Do we want to shout out the um the person that suggested we do this album for Flop Stars? Because I leave it. I believe it was a, a fan request, wasn't it? Yeah, but now I can't remember who it was. <laughs> it's just too many people <laughs> listening to the podcast. We don't know who it could be. <laughs> but thanks for your Wait, requests and suggestions. I don't know. You said it was one of your friends. Oh, God, I can't remember. They're going to hate me now. <laughs> well, so they should. But you're right. You're not dead. Um, and, of course, <laughs> I'm excited to talk about Pink because as two Australian podcasters... Pink is a big part of the public psyche in Australian culture. Um, yeah, which it's is our in- national duty to protect her at it all costs. It is. It is. It's interesting thinking about yeah, Pink's sort of she's she she she's household name level in the rest of the world, don't you think? I mean, you're in the states at the Absolutely. moment. Absolutely, you say she's, she's household a big name. Star. Yeah, yeah, but there's something that for some reason she gravitates towards Australian audiences more than any other. And I've always tried to think about what that is. I think it's, you know, it's got to do probably with her brashness and her, um, her unapologetic kind of nature. But it is yeah. interesting thinking about the way that Australia, Australian audiences have gravitated towards her and to this album as well, which we particularly remember as being quite huge. Well, it's, uh, I've really enjoyed my research back into this because um, I think for anybody who knows the premise of the podcast, obviously we pick a project that um, hasn't done as well as it should have and we explore why and we explore how it fits in the, in the context of their career. Um, uh, the words pink, Australia and flop won't, would not be seen together in any sentence. Um, however, pink's success on this album was huge in Australia but in the risk in the rest of the world it paled in comparison and it's very interesting because Pink wasn't this huge star in Australia before I'm Not Dead her success in Australia was very comparable with the rest of the world but this album just really set her on a trajectory that basically meant that now she should be on our coat of arms so she is it's it's a very interesting story about how I'm not did uh, I'm not 
Jeez, I practiced I'm so hard dead. for the start of the podcast and now I'm fucking it up. <laughs> You've thrown yourself. <laughs> it's very interesting to look at how this project took off and how slow it was as well. Um, even in Australia where it ended up doing very well. That is really interesting about the, the sluggishness. What do you think started to resonate with people when this album came out? Why was this the kind of ticking over for Pink in Australian audiences, at least? So I think in her career up to this point, um, she'd been signed to another label that she wasn't particularly happy with. So she started off, they were trying to mould her into an R&B style because that was kind of the, the sound of the time. Mm. Um, and then her next project, Misunderstood, was a little bit of R&B and also a lot of anger directed at her label and with the industry. Um, and then by the time Try This came with such hits as Trouble and God is a DJ, she was completely over it and it was very angry. And I think Try This is the least successful project in her discography still. Um, so with I'm Not Dead, she signed a new contract and she landed with a bunch of writers, Billy Mann, who she particularly resonated with. Um, and she was encouraged to explore all kinds of topics and she was given the freedom to do whatever she wanted. So I think instead of just directing her anger at the music industry, she suddenly had lots of facets that she could explore where she explored like everything from relationships to the George Bush presidency at the time, um, to sexual assault, to toxic relationships, just anything she wanted to talk about she could and I think that awarded her this freedom and suddenly Pink the personality really started to shine through um, and that resonated very strongly with Australians for some reason first up so interesting isn't it I, I think it's also interesting looking back at those kind of more R&B shaped songs that she was doing I mean we looked at yeah. we looked at Gwen Stefani we've looked at Christina on the podcast before and they were kind of making that early noughties R&B pop crossover stuff that was kind of working quite well but clearly it was yeah. a lane that was too cluttered at the time and that Pink sort of couldn't ma- manage to fit herself into so she had to go a different way and this music definitely felt much more her personality. It was loud. It was yeah. The the topics were unique. The the way that she spoke about things, the brashness with which she spoke about things, was much more real and much more her. And I think she's had a lot of time to now sit and resonate with audiences um, the world over. And this definitely felt like a massive turning point for her. Um, so it is interesting to look at, you know, the way that it did in the US and the fact that it didn't manage to do the crossover in the US that it did for Australia. Yeah. And I think too, she was really um, leading that pop rock sound that people like Kelly Clarkson and um, Katy Perry and uh, a few others that I can't name right now because I can't remember them. Um, but the pop rock sound was very big and it was obviously being kind of um, manufactured by Dr. Luke and Max Martin who worked on this album. Disclaimer as always, Dr. Luke's a pig in this podcast. But Correct. Um, he was very influential to that sound in the period and I think that just naturally suited Pink. She was a very outspoken, loud-voiced, as you said, very raspy voice, um, could belt a chorus like no other. And so that time was really good for her. I think it just took a little bit of adjusting for people to be like, 
hang on, like, what's Pink doing now? We, we just need to refocus on what she is doing. And she eventually, it eventually worked. It's interesting that she kicked the era off with Stupid Girls um, because I think that is a song that kind of leans into R&B a little bit and is, obvi- is the obvious anomaly on the project. But she obviously wanted to start something with quite a strong statement, which I think has aged pretty poorly, the message of Stupid Girls. Um, but... I mean, a, a bold statement to enter in with at that time when you were really in the midst of like the um, the Paris Hilton, Kim Kardashian reign and she was taking a very obvious strike at them, which I don't think would sit well now, but definitely then there was some fatigue around what the idea of celebrity was. It would be interesting to hear what Pink thinks about that song now because you're right, it really did sort of pit women against each other and the types of women that were around at the time and the the cult of celebrity that she obviously didn't want to buy into. But she also is a huge celebrity and she is now bought into celebrity by, you know, having a really you know, public feud with paparazzi, taking photos of her kids and, you know, really yeah. jumping into those conversations. She's now kind of bought into that in a different way yeah. to, to a Paris Hilton or a Nicole Richie or the big socialites at the time. Um, yeah. But yeah, the sentiment of that song was definitely very 2000 and 2005-ish and not very, uh, not very 2020. I don't know if it would still stand up. Speaking of standing up, how do you think overall this album stands up in 2020 after another listen? Uh, in 2020, I'm not sure if the sound suits 2020, um, through no fault of her own. I just think the pop rock thing has never really come back as strong as it was back then. Mm. But in terms of songwriting, like there is a fuckload of like hits on this album. So many. Mm -hmm. And so many, I just remember word for word. And I mean, probably more for Australians because I think she had about seven singles here where she had about three or four in the rest of the world. Um, but when you think of the lineup, it's just pretty spectacular. Like stupid girls, who knew you and your hand, leave me alone. I'm lonely. Um, nobody knows dear Mr. President. Cause I can like, it just went on and on and on. It's very impressive as a pop album. I think, what do you think? Absolutely. Yeah, it it made so much sense at the time. It was one of the great records at its time. Five top 10 singles is no mean feat for anyone. And she had five Australian top 10 singles. Interestingly, no singles that went to number one, though. Everything had That is interesting. And that's around the rest of the world. And I think it lends into the conversation we had a little bit last week, where I think a successful album um lines you up for even bigger success on the next album even if it's not as good because um so what off the next album funhouse shot to number one globally immediately yeah um and then the album after that she had another number one single so and i just i want to talk you through what this album did because it's pretty it's pretty wild how slowly it gains traction because stupid girls was not even in the top 10 in australia it kind of limped into the charts initially um, and the album as well. So I'm Not Dead went to number one 26 weeks after it was released in Australia. That's insane. And That's from six there, months. It, it, I know. It's absolutely insane. And it bounced around all up and down the charts until it got there. And once it was there, it went on to become the second highest selling album of 2006 and 2007 and was the third highest selling album of the decade behind her own album Funhouse. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> 
which is insane. And it, it did s- similarly in the rest of the world in terms of the trajectory. It just didn't go on to be as big. So the album debuted at number eight in the US, but actually never made the top five. Stupid Girls didn't reach the top 10, but who knew and you and your hand did. So I think okay. people were kind of turned off by Stupid Girls as the opening statement, but really loved that um, pop rock big chorus sound that she brought afterwards. So that's really interesting. It's almost more ideal to have an album that does that and delivers that consistent slow burn yeah. than it is to have those sort of ride or die, really bipolar hits that go huge for a couple of weeks and then dip straight out of the charts. It's a much more yeah. ideal situation for a pop star. I can't <coughs> I have to keep clearing my throat this morning. Um, it's a much more ideal situation for a pop star <laughs> edit point. It's a much more ideal situation for a pop star to be able to consistently deliver across a wider period of time and be consistently in the public psyche and on the radio and consistently delivering hits that burn over a longer period, I think it makes for more of a a legacy in the end. Well, it means that it's organically growing and it means that it's good. I mean, Mm. like anyone, if, if Selena Gomez or Ariana drop a song today, they could drop absolute shit and it would probably shoot straight into the top five Mm. but it's going to drop down straight away whereas if something organically grows it means it's like getting into the ears of radio programmers and finding some organic traction with fans as well um and i think people obviously just cottoned onto the fact that this was naturally a great pop record um and even when i i didn't know that who knew ended up being basically the biggest single off the album because to me, that song is not an obvious hit. Um, it's a very good song, probably my favourite on the album, but it doesn't doesn't stand out to me as the obvious one. Whereas like you and your hand, you would expect that that would probably do very well. It stands out as quite... Who Knew stands out as quite a yearning sort of song for me. And I, I think there's something really redeeming about it. it. It is that kind of really emotional sort of power ballad almost feel. It kind of yeah. straddles that nice pop and rock line quite well. It's not too aggressive like some of the other tracks like You and Your Hand are as well. Yeah. So I understand its success and I understand why it kind of did what it did. Um, what a great song. And I suppose sh- that's foreshadowing the game we're about to play though. Yeah, I was just... Oh, maybe I'll leave, I'll leave this for the game. No, I'll no, okay, but okay. I did, I did just want to end as well with um, the, the like, difference in the touring between the US and Australia, just in case we haven't justified the flop stars ta- um, yeah. tagging up. <laughs> I, but... got a lot of, I got a lot of... Um, I got a lot of... Not a lot. Nathan, who I do my other podcast, Pop Corner, shouted yeah. at me because we did <laughs> Harry Styles last week. And I, I, sat, I was like, oh, yeah, we're doing Harry Styles for flop stars. He's like, what? Nope. It was, there wasn't a flop banner. And I had to like justify well, it. For I like we justified that We justified well. it great. You, and I Nathan. said, if you listen to it, if you listen to the podcast, you'll understand yeah, the justification. Exactly. He's like, I'm not listening to it. And I'm like, okay. And then I just let it go. I mean, we're, we're professors. We, give, we don't go for an obvious hypothesis. <laughs> professors of We flop. challenge ourselves. So <laughs> we're once again challenging ourselves by um, popping the highest selling female in, in Australian history into the flop stars category. <laughs> Just because we want to have a yard about you try pink. hard enough. <laughs> exactly. Talk to but, me about the difference in the touring. So she started the I'm Not Dead tour in the US with clubs and theatres. 
Wow. Clubs and theatres. Um, she went on to play Australia where she played 36 shows. It was the h- most successful Australian tour by a female of all time. A record that would later be broken by her Funhouse tour. That is insane. So once again, she's just breaking her own records because she's the only one that can deliver like that. When Pink yeah. comes to town, when Pink tours records, she's in Australia for, like, she moves here. It's not Six just a months. visit. It's she moves the whole family here. She rents a place that she can consistently go back to. Like, yeah. it, becomes a, it, it becomes her home. And not many and stars can say they do that. any other artist that no. has that profound impact. I mean, you can talk about, like, the Adele's and Ed Sheeran's of the world drawing <clears throat> massive crowds when they come, but that's just a, gl- that's a like, result of global popularity. It's not yeah. something that's singular to Australia. I can't think of any artist, a- apart from maybe someone who's, like, judged the X Factor or something that has such exceptional popularity in Australia and not as much in the rest of the world. It's mental. I, I think as well, like, even with your Ed Sheeran, so Ed did the most... Um... Ed sold the most tickets of any... I think Ed has the highest t- ticket sales ever yeah. for the most recent yeah. tour. But he still only did, like, two ANZ stadium shows, which is our giant, you know, 80,000-seater exactly. stadium. At, whereas Pink is doing, like, in Sydney, she will do, like, a six-week run of doing three or four shows a week to, say, yeah. 20,000 people. And then she'll be here for four weeks, and then she'll come back and do another four weeks. And it feels at times like Pinky's constantly performing. Like, it's like insane. A, a it's like a residency. Yeah. yeah. But I think she said... I, I remember her saying that she couldn't do the stadiums and stuff like that because I don't think they have the setup at ANZ Stadium to fling her through the air like they do in an <laughs> arena. The open-air thing isn't really conducive to her acrobatics, so she needs the, the roof of somewhere like... I don't know. What, what are the arenas called the now? Kudos Bank called? Arena. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> yeah, don't ask what that is. It's, it changes name every month. So by the time this podcast gets put up, it will be. It'll be Flopstars Arena. Flopstars Arena, exactly. We'll buy it with the advertising money. <laughs> that would be amazing. Can you imagine? We could get Carly Rae Jepsen in, yeah. in a 35,000 hey, seat arena. We haven't had a um, we haven't had a, a sponsor on the show. You know how in the fir- the early days of the podcast we used to fi- we used to have a sponsor. Oh, we used to get once sponsors all the time. Yeah, we haven't had one in weeks. Well, there we go. Kudos Bank Arena can jump on board. Oh, just yeah. Kudos Bank. The arena doesn't. K- have Kudos to. Bank. No, because the arena has no shows in it at the moment, thanks to COVID. So um, the, we the don't bank want the arena. Fuck sponsors. the arena. No, fuck the, <laughs> the arena. The bank's fine. <laughs> <laughs> all right. <laughs> We're going off topic um, rather early for oh, us, so maybe we, should, <laughs> maybe we should go on to the game. So um, the song game is called Pink's I'm Not Dead or another song from a very much alive Pink. So um, <laughs> it's, um, it's basically either going to, it's going to be a song from I'm Not Dead versus a song from the rest of her career. Cool. And like as it. she's had no posthumous albums, um, her whole career is open for debate. Great. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the first one, <laughs> the first one is "Stupid Girls," the lead single from "I'm Not Dead," versus "So What," the lead single from her next album, "Fun House." I think we've established that "Stupid Girls" at the time was a sentiment that people could connect to. I suppose yeah. there was this different understanding around. 
the cult of celebrity, particularly for women. There was this yeah. kind of like, you know, the dumb bimbo sort of um, stereotype yeah. very much existed and was very much, you know, understood by other women. So I understand its relevance at the time, but I don't think it stands up. So What was such a, such a cultural reset. It was such a moment. It really was. It was oh. such a moment. She'd like she'd broken up with Carrie and then written this big old banger about it. She cuts down a tree in the bloody film clip. And I've got this raucous. image burned into my mind of her riding a ride on lawnmower and then yeah. like crashing a beer can on some car. It's perfect. <laughs> and I and just wasn't think Carrie that song comes in home clip so as strong. Well. Yeah, I think this was at that weird time where they were sort of like not on again, but they were like friends for a bit yeah and then, and then obviously they you know remarried and are still happily together well apparently he hadn't heard the song when he appeared in the video that's brilliant so can you imagine i love that <laughs> just <laughs> fucking bring him in make him hear make him hear it in front of a full film crew for the first time um i love so what i think yeah particularly the way it comes home like the you know that final chorus it's just it's shouty yeah. pop brilliance i think max was behind it from memory max martin so I'm going to go so yeah, what sounds right. for this one. What about you? Oh, definitely going so what as well. And I think Stupid Girls um, is uniquely kind of Hollywood in its message, whereas I think so what's way more universal and particularly Australian. I feel like suburban Australia bloody loves a breakup anthem. Absolutely. Um, and loves it particularly when you can, like, crush a tinny on a car or something like that. I think that's... I mean, it should be our national anthem, really, shouldn't it? It really should. It just it does so represent what I'm still the suburbs. Yeah, I got my rock moves. <laughs> so ridiculous. <laughs> I love it. What's the next battle? Right, so what's the winner? Um, the next one is Who Knew from I'm Not Dead. Uh, versus Just Give Me a Reason featuring Funz, Nat Bruce um, from, I don't know Nat- what the album was. Nate Bruce, please say his name with some respect. Oh, Nate Bruce, sorry. Thank you, appreciate that. Nate Bruce. I think Just Give Me a Reason may have been... No, it, was, it wasn't Funhouse, was it? Who cares? This is about um, I'm Not Dead. The Truth About Love. Truth About Love, that's right. Yeah. Well, some great records on it. Um, who knew? Another again, we did discuss this. You know, a very strong sort of rides those barriers between pop and rock really nicely. It's almost got a power ballad kind of feel to it as well. Love the strings yeah. towards the end. It's a gorgeous song. Just give me a reason. I read a stat the other day. I'm fairly sure her most played song on Australian radio. Really? Today? Yeah. Wow. I know so, it's like globally her biggest song. Yeah. So I think it's also yeah. her most played song because of the fact it it crosses so many different formats. So you can yeah. play it on like a smooth FM, like a really easy listening station, but you can also play it on the pop stations. And it had yeah. a lot of staying power as well. I think the addition of Nate as well. So it's not too much of a quote unquote girly song in the eyes of radio programmers um, <laughs> meant that it was able to be put onto multiple formats and still consi- still exists on the radio today. So a very strong yeah. song commercially. I think the songwriting's really good on it as well. I think Nate is a really nice match for Pink. They've both got a bit of a quirk to them, a bit of personality to them. Um, yeah. Fun is still like one of the best bands I ever saw live. Nate's just a freak. Um, so when they, they got together, it was quite a nice idea. Well, I don't Craig, know where like, Nate is at the moment. 
Well, I was actually just looking, and he wrote one of her other singles, Pink. Oh, that's nice. I think, like, Walk Me Home or something like that. Like, one of the later ones. Of course. Yes. No, I do remember if that now. If it's not Walk Me Home, I won't search any further. Walk it was. It was Walk Me Home. Yeah. Good song, that. Um, but it's a battle between Who Knew and Just Give Me a Reason. Just Give Me a Reason just bores me a little bit. I think Who Knew is yeah. still consistently really strong. So I'm going to go Who Knew. Yeah, I agree with you. Who Knew That's is good. the best. Who Knew might be my favourite Pink song, I think. Whoa. That's I think, a call. Nah. I don't know. There's so many. I feel like um, you, when you like bring up Pink in other parts of the world, people are surprised when you've got such a like in-depth knowledge of her discography. Yeah, Because exactly. I could like play Pink all day and know all the songs. <laughs> <laughs> you know, what do you reckon? So, okay, Who Knew is your favourite? Yeah. I would say Funhouse is my favourite. No, really? No, sorry. Bad Influence is my favourite. Oh, Bad Influence and Funhouse are both Lord, very good. Lord, 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 I can help it, I like to party. It's got, yeah, I really like that. Oh, good there's just so many good ones. You know what's a late one that I really like is um, Beautiful Trauma, I think is very good. You soppy little, <laughs> soppy little sod. So it's one for uh, Pink's I'm Not Dead. <laughs> I was going to say soppy little what? bitch, and then I was like, that's not appropriate. <laughs> so we've got one for I'm Not Dead and one for um, very much a live Pink rest, rest of discography at the moment. Yeah. Okay, the next one is You and Your Hand. From I'm Not Dead. Mm-hmm. Versus Just Like a Pill from her sophomore record, um, Misunderstood with a Z somewhere. Yeah, misunderstood. Misunders. I think it's like misunderstood. Queen of spelling. <laughs> I would say you and your hand. You and your hand is great, but I think it's quite brash. It's quite sort of like cheeky in its delivery, and it maybe it feels a little yeah. bit. I don't want to say gimmicky, but it it doesn't feel like it's relying on the strength of the songwriting and relying on, you know, those so- those pop songwriting tropes to deliver. It feels a little bit... Talk to the hand. Like, it, it feels like a bit of a saying kind of pop song. Just Like a Pill still stands up to me as one of my favourite Pink songs, even though it was in her misunderstood era. And even though she may not, you know, look back on that one with, with particular fondness, I think it was one from the early days that really sort of, you know, set yeah. up what Pink was going to be. Um, yeah. and, you know, delivers heartbreak and um, and love in a, a really particular way. So I think just like a pill, I think it's another one for a very much live pink. <laughs> I, um, oh, this one's hard. I love that you and your ham was kind of the one to springboard her back onto US radio, given that it's basically like um, a song about masturbation. And I love that when she... <laughs> She was going to perform on American Idol and they wanted her to change the lyri- the lyrics to You and Your Heart tonight. And yeah. she was like, absolutely not. <laughs> so I think it's just a classic example of just like Pink being a loud mouth and being like, she's always like dirty, but not in like a Cardi B WAP way. Like she always coats it a lot so that you can't, like you could listen to it with your like six-year-old child in the in the car and they wouldn't know what it was actually about. Exactly. Um, very which smart is kind of, way. I guess why she's like Australia likes to be very like moderately, um, like foul mouthed, you know, like they don't like to go all out, but 
they'll they'll throw in a crap here or there yes. in front of the, in front of the kids in the Honda. So um, I don't know where I'm going with this. That the wasn't Honda. an argument for you and your hand. Just <laughs> just a little side note. Just like a pill is cl- is a classic though, isn't it? Yes, it absolutely um, is. Now nah, I'm gonna go you and your hand. I think it's one of her better ones. You know so what? With the with the this, with the explanation you just gave it, I understand that. Yeah, I respect okay. that. You're right. She is the master right. of creating so it was those useful. cheekies. It was very useful. It was good information. <laughs> it was good context. And I now see it in a different light, which is the great thing about this podcast, isn't it, sometimes? It just, <laughs> just helps us. <laughs> well, now this soppy little sod has put two soppy little songs <laughs> together. <laughs> <laughs> because we have Nobody Knows, the, yep. ball- the ballad single from yep. I'm Not Dead. Um, versus Sober, the ballad single from Funhouse. You just can't go past a, like, 65-second orchestral string section, which she has yep. at the end of Sober. Um, and I think that was a really... Yeah, I, there's something about Sober that I keep coming back to and it is one of her most yearning sort of like help me kind of songs. It um, feels like Who Knew Part 2, I reckon. Yeah. It's got a similar almost, vibe. Almost like a sadder, angrier Who Knew. Yeah. And yeah. I think it fits really nicely from that perspective. To be honest, I'd forgotten about Nobody Knows. Um, I, when I looked at the singles from the album, I'd forgotten about that one in particular, yeah. even though it was... It was one of the ones that didn't chart um, yeah. in the top 10 in Australia. I don't think... Or maybe it did. Probably did. They all did, didn't they? But it feels like one of the lesser ones from there. It was. Um, and I think... I don't think it had the staying power that Sober, for me, has in this battle. So I'm going to go with Sober. Yeah. Okay. What are you going to do? Um, I'm trying to think what to do. This is a hard one. I like them both. <laughs> I have a very vivid memory of Pink's um, fun house tour in Sydney, which everyone was obliged to go to <coughs> as their national du- <laughs> duty. It was our form of conscription. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's the video. That's and the video. she was belting sober while spinning around for her life. Like, I don't know how she does it. I can barely run on a treadmill without feeling dizzy, let alone singing at the same time. And, like, I just remember her hitting all the notes in sober like that. And um, and it, she would have had to be sober to do it, I think, too, because she would have had a little vom if she'd had a few drinks. <laughs> so I'm, <laughs> I'm going to go with sober for that pure moment and out of respect for what she did in the air that night. I would like to change my um, my decision, but purely what? based off the fact that um, Natalie Gauchi performed Nobody Knows as oh, her top three performance that. during Australian Idol season five. Yeah. So, so I'd like and to And I mean, change. are you ever going to lose, if you do a pink song well on Australian television, are you oh. ever going to lose? One way to capture the heart of the nation, just cover Literally. a pink song and do it justice. However, you gotta do. like, do it badly and you may as well <coughs> flee the country. Exactly. Again, conscription. Yeah. We take pink as seriously as the military. So uh, <laughs> don't, don't fuck it up. <laughs> <laughs> so how many votes was that for uh, I'm Not Dead and for a very much alive pink in the end? So, so I, think, um, I think I'm Not Dead lost. 
Poor I'm Not Dead. But again, it's a bit unfair because, like, it's one album against all of her career. Yeah. Which is always going to be difficult. But, like, I'm Not Dead has the hits, and it has more hits than I listed here. Um, I think Leave Me Alone, I'm Lonely was one of the songs that only hit Australian radio. Um, That's a a very good song and should have been a single all around the world, I think. Absolutely. It's a great record. Then I think Australian radio ran with Dear Mr. President as well for a bit. Yes. Which is very weird because um, Pink herself said she didn't want to release it as a single because she thought it would be like a publicity stunt. Um, But (laughs) somehow snuck its way onto radio in Australia because they just were taking any song they could at that point from Pink. Absolutely. Anything it, Pink just into rotation. wild as a single, isn't it? It is it's... interesting to listen back to, but it also was so interesting to have a good melodic pop song that was a political statement as loudly as yeah. that. I mean, you don't get much more of a sort of, you know, lyrically present political statement than literally starting a song with dear mr president come take a walk with me i'd like to ask you some questions and speak honestly like yeah pretty fucking straightforward there's some really really like potent aimed lines in there yeah um i think she accuses him of being a coke addict in the song um she questions what he would do if her if his daughter was gay so it's just a it's a bloody loaded pop song um, and interesting too that when you think about the climate we're in now where I think um, one of her recent singles was about Trump, What About Us or something. Yeah, What About Us was about Trump. And it kind of is just like whatever now. Like every song, you can say whatever you want about Trump if you're like kind of left-leaning in a safe, safe, non-conservative environment. And it's kind of become the norm now. But in 2006, it wasn't really the norm. And it was the same year that Dixie Chicks released, or sorry, the Chicks released um, I'm Not Ready to Make Nice, mm. which was after they came out um, against George Bush and and they basically got death threats for it. So it's a very different time for a political statement and very bold, bold move from Pink, I think. Absolutely. It's very interesting thinking about thinking about the difference in political kind of honesty between now and then. And you're right. It very much has become a case of, yeah, you can say anything about the current president, but at the time it was like this whole thing of like, you have to respect the office of president, even if you don't agree with the person who's in there and don't like the person who's in there, the office of president must be respected at all times. And I think that's definitely something that's shifted in the last 15 years, you know, culturally, but also musically um, as well. And you know what's something that's always confused me a little bit with Pink is I think that she really um, resonates with both sides of Australia and she also has a conservative fan base in Australia. And I've, I've never understood the correlation there because she's, she's about as progressive as you can get. She's, she's all for animal rights. She's very, very much like a, a queer icon and has always been very in favour of the LGBTQ plus um, community so it's like uh, not that they're not that you have to be against those kind of things if you're conservative but she's so loud that she strikes me as somebody who would kind of annoy somebody who was conservative yeah i I, it's interesting i think folks probably see her more and, and this is anecdotally from sort of like you know 
my background in commercial radio, you know, talking to Pink fans on the radio after the concert and, you know, talking when the new song comes out, you talk to a Pink fan. And the, the common answer is, oh, yeah. she's, you know, she's a mum. And she's a, you know, she's a busy working mum. She gets it all done. You know, she's a, yeah. she's a powerhouse. She's able to, you know, raise this beautiful <laughs> daughter, but also, you know, fly through the air for 16 shows in a row and she can do that. They don't actually yeah. talk about her politics, really. And yeah. I, I, would, I would say, yeah, I, I don't know if they... That's a really interesting one, isn't it? You're right. It, it is hard to get your head around why... She has that kind of conservative fan base, but I would say that a lot of them don't... I think of these, like, busy sort of suburban mums, mid-40s, three kids, they all have different... You know, one does soccer, one does dancing, one does swimming. That's the mums. <laughs> they don't have time to buy into the politics of their favourite artists. They're just there for yeah. the songs. And it comes back to that art first artist conversation where I reckon they like the songs, they like a little bit about the artist, and they like a little bit about, you know, the fact that she is, a, you know, a... a, a, a busy woman and you know that feminist kind of angle but i don't think they really give a fuck about anything else that she has to say it's she's so outspoken though like when i think of the other artists who really appeal to big fan bases like your ed sheeran's and adele's they obviously are um have kind of left-leaning politics and opinions but they're not particularly like loud about it like if i didn't go searching for it i wouldn't really know where adele sat on some of those kind of issues Mm. um so you can see how it's easy to just listen to her music which is just very like insular and about her relationships and just like let it glaze over but pink it's like it's quite hard to ignore at times what she (laughs) thinks which i think is amazing that her personality kind of outweighs her politics where people can be like ah she just seems like a good girl and it's like it's almost like she's a family member you know if you go to christmas in australia and like everybody has this where you sit down and you're next to like your conservative uncle but you both just have to like get along for the day and you end up being able to find the kind of commonalities that you can talk about pink is like that person who turns up in Christmas and her <laughs> views are just so wild compared to yours. But you're like, you know what? I can have a beer with her and like yep. she can smash a few and we can talk about something that we do agree on, like going to the beach. <laughs> <laughs> I can have a pint with Auntie Alicia. Um, I, I think oh, you're God, onto I'd something there. She my auntie. I think potentially the appeal for that conservative fan base is that kind of whole freedom of speech argument that you hear a lot from conservatives um, around wanting to be able to say what they want in the way that they want. And I think that's definitely something that Pink has always exhibited, talking about yep. what she wants in the way that she wants, even if some of that stuff is sort of more progressive ideology. I think she still very much does it in a way that appeals to conservatives because she's loud and she's doing it the way she wants to do it um, and not, yeah. you know, she's not PC about it, as, as, the, as some would say. Yeah, it doesn't feel like she's aligning herself with certain politics and stuff. It's just her opinion. That's that's very right. You know what, when I and woke I up she... on this fine day, I didn't expect myself to be talking about the political statements of Pink, like the, the politics of Pink and conservatism. <laughs> I know, it's taken at, quite at a while to turn this. It has, but I <laughs> love this. Let's go back to... Pink pop and politics, our, our new seven-part series. <laughs> Next week on the show, we have Tanya Plibersek talking about pink. <laughs> Back on track. I think pink... I think she did kind of pave the way for a lot of pop artists to be more unashamedly outspoken and 
follow the path they wanted to because I think as we've spoken about a lot kind of the Britney um Christina model of of pop star that was very popular in the early 2000s didn't allow you a lot of freedom and it's a system that um Pink nearly got stuck in as well but she kind of broke out and now when you think of all the biggest stars we've got now you're very clear on where they they sit on certain things and they're it feels like they're allowed to follow the path they want to follow. And I think Pink had a hand in making that a reality. Yeah, I absolutely think that's the case. And I think even some of the, the, the pop stars at the time, you know, weren't afraid to carve their own lane and kind of do things their way. And you look at Lily Allen having a big year that year as well. That makes a lot of sense, seeing her kind yeah, of come through. Yeah, it's interesting when you look at the artists who did really well that year, isn't it? Yeah. It felt Lily like a Allen real turning had- point. Had a Lily, Lily, Lily Allen had def, definitely had a different delivery about the way she went about talking about topics, but yeah. and a very uniquely British, you know, way of doing it. Whereas Pink, so I, say, well, I would say, is uniquely American and uniquely Middle American. But they were yeah. both kind of talking about what they wanted to talk about in their own voice, and I think that yeah. was something that was really starting to resonate in pop, rather than this kind of homogenized thing that had been happening for a few years, that real manufactured yeah. kind of feel. Um, more lyrical-leaning pop music was starting to come to the forefront and, and hit the charts. And maybe that's why Pink's start... Like, I would say that from I'm Not Dead forward, this is when her career was, like, started to really, like, really go up. Which is amazing because at the time I think Misunderstood was pretty like successful for her and if you have a successful album and then you have a not so successful album it's usually not a good sign that you're going to be able to pick things up and go as big as she did. So it's it's pretty amazing that journey that she's been on and she's still doing like pretty good numbers as far as I know. She's still doing great numbers and not releasing as much. Um, yeah. You know, she's she's able to deliver just singles and like, can we pretend, for example, which wasn't the most expected Pink song, considering that she'd done, you know, she dabbled in folk with um that man with the beard, um, uh, Dallas Green yeah. or whatever his name is. Yeah. Yeah. She'd done that, you know, she'd come out with What About Us, which was kind of a, a sort of power ballad. Um, yeah. And then she comes out with Can We Pretend, which ends up being one of the most played songs on radio last year. Which is was a, it a really? Bang, which is a pop as a clock, um, bloody EDM banger from Cash Cash see, that she is, dropped see, the vocal See, this on. is like, this is the example of how much pink flies under the radar if you're not in Australia, because I don't even know what that song is. Are you I've joking? been out of Australia for about two years now. Yeah, that is fascinating because it was inescapable last year, that song. And in in a year that was not particularly EDM friendly either, that was the one dance song on the radio. It was very much the year of Post Malone and um, the year of going towards that sort of, that new sort of um, hip hop, pop crossover stuff was really dominating it, that moody down tempo stuff. And then we've got this, you know, 125 BPM Cash Cash Banger on the radio that Pink's well, singing on. Well, isn't there a, a, a quota for Pink on Australian radio? There's, like, the Australian yeah. quota. And yeah, then exactly. the Pink quota as well, which is, what, like, 39% or something? <laughs> it's more It's more for Pink than it is for Australian music, don't you worry. We consider her to be Australian music anyway. Um <laughs> Yeah, so can we pretend was can we pretend was a smash here? I don't. So again, not a huge, um, not a huge sales single. It's sale. It's yeah. peak, it peaked at number ninety nine. I know we're not talking about this record. That song peaked at number ninety nine, but I think it was like number. It was top five most played on radio last year. 
Um, oh my which god, goes, that's wild. Yeah, it's crazy. Wow. Just because it's pink. Just because it's pink. So. N- now we're jumping ahead and kind of talking about the rest of her career as well. How do you view I'm Not Dead in Pink's discography? Like, obviously, we've talked about it as being a really important launching pad for the rest of her career. But if you were to say your favorite Pink record, which one are you going for? Uh, I would say Funhouse is still my favorite. I don't know. I just found like every yeah. single on that really enjoyable. I think her personality shines through the most on that. What I think about yeah. this album in her discography is this was a really important turning point for her. Really yeah. finding her sound and her lyrics and her way of talking about things and bringing them to the forefront. I think this is the album that she did that and she never looked back from doing that after I'm Not yeah. Dead. In the last 15 years, the music's all, you've been able to find a kind of through line between all the music since and this album this was a really important turning point for her but I would say yeah I think the reason Funhouse I'm always an up you know I'm always a big fan of the up tempo tracks so I think with Funhouse I loved the um, it's got so many good ones oh exactly I loved this yeah I'm okay I'm okay I was just a little (laughs) little indigestion from drinking coffee too fast um i (laughs) i think i would put i'm not dead yeah it definitely was a turning point but funhouse has so many fun quirky weird songs with great production um yeah i'm looking at the track list now and i want to go back and and listen to it this always happens i want to i like after this podcast i want to listen to pink songs all day which is not a choice that i make on a general day to day basis. I know, never. <laughs> but I like... need to make it more bloody often. <laughs> I know! Exactly. I, I might go back and work in commercial radio full time again, because trust me, you get your fix. Oh, you'll get then. your fix then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, whatever, what do you reckon? Where does it sit for you in the discography? Um, yeah, I think Funhouse too. I think I'm Not Dead's probably number two. Yeah. But um, Love was yeah. great as well. Yeah, that was good as well. I mean, she yeah, she's going to get her. <laughs> She's going to get her, what's the word? Lifetime Achievement Award? Her dues? Yeah, for something like that. Nobel Peace Prize or something. <laughs> I mean, she's kind of the person that gets mocked a lot because she is kind of like, because she does kind of appeal to Bogan Australia and stuff. But like, she's, she's a, a, a great pop artist and like, you can't strip people of their, um, their dues just because they appeal to an audience that you feel like you don't sit in even though you probably do yeah yeah couldn't agree more great should we have a game (laughs) yes okay my game is called (laughs) and i actually like the name of it this week um my game my game is called pink or another color okay so you've got to i'm gonna put pink songs against song titles that have a color in them Okay, cool. To understand I tried how it to works. do this with artists, but it yeah. was very difficult. Yeah, so I went songs instead. And I yeah. wanted to Okay, cool. I wanted to gauge your opinion I wanted to gauge a little bit of your opinions on various pink songs and various pink sounds before I chose the pink songs that go up against these. Okay, I, cool. I've yeah. got it now. <clears throat> okay. First one is Raise Your Glass. Oh. Great song. Great. Always a banger. Right, right, turn off the light. We're going to lose our minds, our minds tonight. tonight. What's the just dealio? Kind of, what's that? Just freak out or... Uh, just freak so out already. Just, like, <laughs> <laughs> just freak out. <laughs> that so, sucks. So free for it. Because if you're too school for cool... <laughs> 
<laughs> oh, that's right. The beat comes in too early on the last chorus. She, oh, she starts singing too early and she's like, oh, fuck. Oh, oh fuck. <laughs> that sucks. Um, okay, raise your glass. <laughs> raise your glass from well, it's pink. It's obviously raise your glass. Well, raise your glass from pink versus green light from Lord. What's your favourite? Oh, you fucker. Somebody else's car. You know I am a I'm a sad little soul. I know. So, <laughs> so big Lord Power ballads are very much down your alley, aren't they? Oh, Green Light's one of my favourite songs of all time. I have to go for Green Light, but if I was at a party and I was choosing which song to put on, there's no way I wouldn't choose Raise Your Glass. Exactly. And right, people would be, right. you know what? People would be like, oh, when it first comes on, and then I bet you all by the time she says fuck, everyone will be up on the dance floor. <laughs> All right, that's one for another colour. Um, I'm going to sort of go to two songs that you may not like very much next to each other. And okay, cool. I think that might be a bit, bit more of an opportunity for Pink to shine through. So I'm going to go Try. <laughs> Try from Pink. Um, from The yeah. Truth About Love. Great power ballad. Versus Yellow by Coldplay. Another great power ballad. Okay, so I love Try. Yeah. I think Try is one of her great ones. And if you notice, there's a bit of a thread with all her second singles because it's Who Knew, Sober, and Try, all very similar um, songs, in my opinion. Songs that, for sad that has songs. To do with, um, Yellow by Coldplay, I absolutely despise. I remember being a kid and watching Rage, and that video just looks so damp and so wet. And from that day, I've never wanted to go to England thanks to Chris Martin looking Chris like Martin a drowned doing wonders rat for, so do, Chris doing wonders for Martin tourism cancelled England for me <laughs> <laughs> so I gotta go with try cool I like that um, do you remember a little song from Pink's which album was it Beautiful Trauma from that album yeah with Eminem called Revenge. Oh, uh, yeah. You remember this song, right? I would like yeah. you to decide whether it's going to be pink or another colour between Revenge featuring Eminem or Blue by Eiffel 65. Which is your favourite of these two great records? Very similar songs, I would Very say. Similar. So, uh, I, don't, I generally just don't like the Eminem-Pink little partnership. Yeah, thing. I think, I think they tried to get a Rihanna Eminem thing going on and it just never worked. No. Um, so, yeah, I've got to go Eiffel 65's blue on that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's one for another colour. There's two for, two for another colour, one for pink. Um, I reckon we'll try and make it a, a dead heat now. Um, what yep. is your favourite between... Oh, I've got to just choose the right pink song to go up against this. Okay, Bad Influence from Pink versus Red Lights by Tiesto. Oh. <laughs> you remember that Tiesto song, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Wait, can you sing me the chorus? I need to, like, place it in my head. We could just like, run um, the red lights. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Wait, what was the pink one now? I've gotten so swept up in nostalgia. Um, it was Bad Influence. Good oh, Bad Influence is so good. But love a bit of Tiesto. Yeah. For nostalgia's sake. Yeah, gotta go Bad Influence. Okay, cool. So that's two for pink, two for la 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 I can't help it. la 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 
<laughs> Call us pink. We're here. We're, we're freelancers. We've got time. And we need... <laughs> we're happy to do BVs. Um, that was good. I like doing Pink's that. probably personally funding JobKeeper right now. <laughs> so she's probably lining her pockets. <laughs> yes, so much economy. Um, Tiesto has another good song called The Business coming out. Um, in like a week, by the way. Just a big Tiesto stand checking in. Wow. Okay, good yeah. to know. You're welcome. Um, <laughs> cool, that was, that was fun. <laughs> that was fun. I, have you seen Pink Live before? You know what? I actually haven't. You have? You, really? I haven't. You should go I was go meant to go to the last tour. <laughs> I should. Again, conscription. <laughs> I... I, and you know what? I think I was like, oh, she'll be back in a year. Who yeah. cares? Every time. And then obviously a, um, a bat was eaten. And now I can't <laughs> go and see Pink concerts. So. Which is the great shame of COVID, I think. The great shame of COVID is the lack of Pink <laughs> concerts in this country. So I am kicking myself now for not going and seeing her because everyone that goes regardless of uh, what is interesting is like folks that aren't even pink fans will go to pink concerts like maybe well, that's their mum what i went or... as the first time yeah did you six go with your family no. <laughs> <laughs> six times later. yeah i think i went with my mum the first time and then i um uh, like kind of begrudgingly and then i actively went the following times i went two nights in a row once oh my god <laughs> You know what I'm upset about? A lot of whiplash from watching her fly from left to right. Where is she? Where'd she go? My my back was sore for a week, but it was bloody worth it. I've got got a Cairo appointment in an hour. I'm so excited. Anyway, sorry. We are absolutely (laughs) fucking going on a tangent. Um, I just realised I have an I'm Not Dead Tour t-shirt that I got from um, the Vinnies in Dulwich Hill about two years ago. And I no, but I um I threw it out like six months ago. What? I did, oh yeah, I'm a bigger fake. I Marie Kondoed it. I Marie Kondoed my whole um, wardrobe and threw out anything that didn't spark joy. And unfortunately, the I'm not no doing tour Marie t-shirt didn't spark joy pink. anymore. <laughs> no, I feel terrible. I can't believe you've waited until fifty-two minutes in to admit remember. your biggest crime. <laughs> Again, punishable. <laughs> I mean, Punishable there's no question bike. here who the better pink stan is. Oh, there was no question at the start either. I but, mean, you know. plonk me in the middle of the suburbs because I am, I'm there. You're going to be marrying someone called Jenny now. That's, oh, that's your mum's name. <laughs> <laughs> she is a big pink fan, but um, no interest in marrying her. <laughs> Can you move this on? Because I'm just. I have, we need a game. Oh this is, <laughs> I, th- I felt like the Dolly the Sheep thing was the strangest um, <laughs> thing you've said, but suggesting I marry my mum has has taken it to another level. <laughs> didn't suggest that. Pink's, Pink's bogan, but she's not that bogan. She's not Tasmania bogan. <laughs> What's our new game? <laughs> I love Tasmania. That was a cheap shot. I'm sorry. We love our listeners in Tasmania. <laughs> so my game name doesn't make a lot of sense, but it's called Pink in Australia, a love story told through headlines. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you a headline um, that pertains to something 
that Pink did or said while she was in Australia. And you need to tell me if it is true or false. So if the headline is actually real or if I made it up. Cool. I like this game. Okay. So the first one is Pink and Delta Goodrum clash on Aria red carpet. Those red carpets are pretty bloody feisty. And you've got a lot of people rushing through them with very short tempers. And they all know they've got a big night ahead of them presenting awards and yeah, not and not doing illicit substances in the bathroom behind the stage. Delta Goodrum would never. Would never. Maybe now. Oh, no. No, I can't. Maybe Do not. Better make. No, I was about <laughs> to make a joke. Um, I'll, I'll tell it to you later. Anyway, um, I reckon that's probably something that happened. Yeah, I reckon it's something that happened. Definitely taken out of context, but definitely would have been a real headline. Okay, that is false. I made it up. Oh, it was very plausible. Very, very plausible. Yeah, well, these are all very plausible, I would say. Well, uh, yeah, we'll see. (laughs) Okay, the next one is Pink falls in love with Poodle at Bondi Beach. (laughs) I would be shocked if Pink went to Bondi Beach because notably now when she comes to Australia, she avoids every public place humanly possible and she hangs out in Byron Bay in Chris Hemsworth's hinterland area for Mm -hmm. as long as she can and she just flies in for the shows and then goes back there again. It's either there or Noosa. No, it's Noosa up in Queensland. Yeah, she loves Noosa. Beachside town. So she hangs out there the whole time. I would doubt she would have been to Bondo Beach recently. So this is either a headline from the I'm Not Dead era slash the Misunderstood era, or you made it up. I'm going to go this being made up. This is correct. And it's based off a tweet that she put out around the I'm Not Dead time where she said, I fell in love at Bondi Beach today. His name was Afro. He was a poodle. We had something. So there you go. Interesting. She actually wrote, um, please don't leave me about Afro. (laughs) She wrote racial glass as a tribute to Afro. (laughs) Right, right. right. Turn off the light. Dogs can see in the middle of the night. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. Um, oh my god I don't know if I can Sorry, go on next, to the next one. one after that um, Okay the next headline is Pink and a kangaroo kiss True That is true Yep she that sounds very that. pink She would have gone to the Corumban Wildlife Sanctuary And done that The next one is Pink angers Australian government <laughs> It's a very wide reaching headline she could have done yeah. a lot of things to make the government angry in the, you know, multiple years worth of time she's spent here. Um, I'm going to go that being true. That's a real headline. That is true. And it was because she had a campaign to boycott the wool industry around the I'm Not Dead tour time. Um, and Peter Costello, the treasurer at the time, said Pink is entitled to her views, but at the end of the day... Would Australian, would Australian farmers take advice from Pink? <laughs> she later rescinded her comments. Oh, she about re- did the she? Wool she backed down. Yeah. Oh. Well, I guess she had 36 shows on the line. She wasn't. <laughs> what, were about they not going to let her in? Thoughts over. <laughs> 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 the, um, 
you know, there's so many things I never thought would get mentioned on this podcast. Marrying your own mother was one. But Peter <laughs> Costello, the former treasurer of Australia, I did not think would get a run on Flopstars. Yeah, and here we but are. very deserved mention. Very I mean. deserved mention. Yeah. You know, investing himself in pop, politics and pink. <laughs> <laughs> Episode two on Audible next week. <laughs> um, okay, one more. Pink Don's I'm Not Dead t-shirt at South Head Cemetery. <laughs> I really hope this is true. I really hope this is true. I reckon it's true. I reckon she would have done that. Queen of branding. <laughs> it's false. I made it up and I was fighting back tears as I was writing. <laughs> it's so good. It's so good. Maybe that's how I ended up getting my I'm Not Dead t-shirt from the Vinnie's at Dulwich Hill because she wore it to the South Head Cemetery and then cancelled it. Oh my god. Okay, well I, I literally had well to that. Google Bondi Cemetery to find that one. <laughs> you did do pretty well. I think you're three points out of five. That's pretty good. Well done to me. Well done. Good win. Well done. Um, well, I think <laughs> we always seem to <laughs> we always seem to end the episode in a certain way, but this one's taken a little bit of a detour um are there any other songs off the album that you feel like could have done very well that didn't get a chance i mean she basically released all of them so it's well that's what i was gonna say and i feel like if she put anything else out from the album it would have gone well anyway um yeah yeah, i don't know i just think leave me alone i'm lonely should have got a, a bit of a better go I, I agree. And in, obviously in the Australian context, it did very, very well. And yeah. it it's still getting played on the radio today. Every Australian can sing the lyrics to it because it is the national anthem. But yeah, yeah. I think it would have been nice. There's, there's a lot of sort of um, missed opportunity, I think, here for Pink to have connected these records harder in the US. And I really think she could have done that with the right backing from the record label. And we're really backing her as I a winner. I think they were still not really sure what to do with her, were they? The Funhouse yeah. campaign shows that this really set them up to know exactly who Pink was. That's there exactly is a, um There is a great song on I'm Not Dead, which is track number 14, a bonus track called Fingers, where she um, makes orgasm noises for about a minute. That's definitely single worthy. That's that single material. Should be a single. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yep. I think Smooth FM would love that. Absolutely. Smooth. <laughs> Here's Pink and Fingers on Smooth. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, dear. I well, like I we think I've said everything I, I want to say about I'm Not Dead. And more. Which is a great <laughs> album. Oh, we've, yeah, we've, we've really stayed on track today. We need to put a time constraint on us again. We were very good last week when you had somewhere to be. That's right. When I had to go, to go and do the ticket tape parade. Um, but (laughs) yeah, great album. And I think, you know, she gets a lot of uh, us bloody highbrow, you know, pop fans tend to laugh about pink. Um, well, you know, what's annoying is that pop had this big, um, this big kind of like thing where everybody was like, we need to respect pop now. And like, hence Carly Rae Jepsen became a cult figure and stuff like that. But there's still a bit of snobbery within the pink genre. And Pink cops 100%. a fair bit of that. And I don't think it's fair. She's a great writer, great performer. She's better than anybody in Cirque du Soleil you've ever seen. And 
I think we need to put some respect on Pink's name, whether you're Australian and, and contractually obliged or not. Again, conscription. Make it happen. Thank yeah, you. no, I'm excited to go back on some, some Pink records today um, and pump myself up for my chiropractor appointment by listening to Pink songs. That's a great way to do it. So what are you going to hit first? I think I'll go back to... Um, I think I'll listen to Who Knew again. Like, I'll start with I'm Not Dead. Yeah. I'm going to go back on I'm Not Dead, but I'll start with Who Knew. Do you think they had to stop playing Funhouse during the bushfires because of the line that says burn that fucker down? Knowing Australian radio, they would have um, forgotten that it said that. I once played, during a bushfire <laughs> emergency shift, I once played um, Firestarter by Samantha Jade because that was left in the log. That's so excellent. If that got left in the log, then Funhouse definitely did. Don't you worry. Okay. Do love Funhouse, though. What a song. Anyway, let's, <laughs> let's stop talking about radio programming in a national disaster. <laughs> Pink album Are they still playing So Sick Neo during COVID? (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Hashtag R&B products. All right, we're going to go. I can't wait to see the retention Follow us on spot. Oh, my God. It's just going to go, woo. It's going to be like a COVID rate in Australia. Um, I... (laughs) (laughs) Didn't that go up, though? So, based on that, people really like. Back down again now. Boom. Back down Um, again. Okay. Yeah. Uh, follow us on Spotify. Hit the subscribe button on Apple Podcasts and tell us your favourite um, strange reference in this podcast. Um, I'll be writing Peter Costello into the reviews. Don't you worry. Um, yeah. Right. If someone can send it to him so we can get his feedback. He's <laughs> not doing much anymore. He's about 106. Bye. <laughs> but he's. I'm not dead. He's not dead. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> That's it. That's the. <laughs>